Welcome to another episode of Hear Her Sports, where you meet phenomenal female athletes doing some really amazing and adventurous stuff. I'm host and producer Elizabeth Emery. This week, I'm very happy to introduce rugby superstar Naya Tapper, a wing on the USA national team. Naya was recently named the all-time top try scorer for the USA women's Eagles sevens team. She has her sights set on making the 2020 Olympic team, and they're starting the preparations now. This year, she's been focused on growing the sport by actively spreading the word about the game and herself through social media, podcasts like this, and by being a thoughtful role model. She was funny and really fun to talk to, so let's get to it. Joining me today is professional rugby player and superstar Naya Tapper. Naya began her rugby career at University of North Carolina in 2012. In 2016, she earned a spot on the USA Women's Eagles, and she currently resides in Chula Vista, California where she trains at the Olympic Training Center with USA Rugby Women's Sevens Team. Welcome, Naya. It's really great to have you here. I really love rugby, so it's going to be a real treat to talk more about the game and about what you're up to. Hi, thank you for having me. Sure. I'm also convinced that if I had known about the game earlier, I'd been a really good player. (laughs) I believe it. (laughs) There's so many different types of athletes. Anybody could play it as long as they put in the effort to learn the sport. Well, to set things up a little bit, uh, you just, and I mean really just, got home from Japan. What were some of the highlights of the tournament and also of being in Japan? Um, I think some of the highlights were um, just like being there and enjoying each other's company. Um, You could understand that it gets um, frustrating and tiring sometimes being around the same people in that type of environment. But in this tournament, like we really enjoyed each other and um, went and did fun things. So that was one of the highlights um, as a team. And then a couple of the highlights just from the games was um, winning all three games on our day one, which is something that we haven't done in a long time. And then um, day two, probably some of the highlights is um, beating New Zealand and um, also beating France to get the bronze medal. Cool. I know you guys did really well. Yeah, it was good. Uh, um, do you like traveling? Yeah, I enjoy <laughs> it. <laughs> After a while, it's like, okay, I've been here three or four times. But, I mean, every time is reminds you of why it's so great to be able to do what you do and for what your job is to take you to those type of places, because if it wasn't for rugby, I probably would never make it to those places. You talked about getting along with your teammates, and you started as a track and field athlete, so you were more solo. Yeah. So what's the transition been like, you know, moving to a team sport, and, you know, do you like that dynamic? Yeah, so with track and field, it was like individual when it came to the performance part, but Um, team-wise like you were still around um, your team and you trained with your team and practiced with your team but competition-wise you were solo and you had control of everything and everything depended on you but um, transitioning to rugby where you still have the team environment but now performance-wise how you perform isn't solely based on you and um, you don't have complete control over it and You have to, that was like one of the things I had to understand that took me a little while was just knowing that I wasn't always going to have control and that other people had had an effect on how I performed and I had an effect on how they would perform. So um, being in that environment, it definitely sets you up for future work and things like that, of being able to work with different personalities and different people from all over the world and have to become close-knit and make it work when you get to that performance stage. What have been some of the toughest points of having to deal with team dynamics? I think for me, um, one of them is just dealing with um, different attitudes or um, athletes who grew up in different training environments. So for me, like um, the way I was coached, like if you didn't do something correctly, like you got chewed out about it, you got called out in front of everybody, like you were put in a situation where you didn't want to be in that situation again, so you did better the next time. Whereas um, some other athletes weren't coached 
like that or didn't grow up like that. So um, being able to understand that you can't um, talk to and respond to people the same way that you were talked to and responded to, that you have to um, adjust your attitude and adjust some of the things that you say because everybody isn't like you. I think that's one of the main things that I'm working on now is just being able to work around different personalities and people and then um, keeping calm frustration wise, knowing that you can't control everything around you because everything around you is different people. And obviously like they're going to do what they want to do. So just learning to stay calm and only worry about what you can control, especially in a team environment where so many things can change. I would expect at your level, though, everybody is pretty professional and does their work and stuff. Absolutely. But um, just personalities. Right. Right. (laughs) Also, everyone always has good days and bad days. You know, they don't always match up. Absolutely. And that's like something that I think the team is learning as a whole is that you can't be happy every day and you can't be cheerful and everything that comes out your mouth is going to be butterflies and flowers. So (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you just got to take in with you and just keep it moving sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to use that phrase. I I love that. Um, So what, what is your team like and, and are you a new group? I mean, are there a lot of new members? Um, The team is pretty half and half, I think. So, there's a couple girls from the previous Olympic year, and then you have some girls in the middle of that, and then you have some um, newer girls coming up, some already performing at the top level and some still developing. Um, so we're a pretty mixed team, but it's the team is definitely made up of like pure athletes. Like you, like each athlete was probably the best athlete in whatever sport they crossed over from, or if they were playing rugby at their club team or college, they were probably the top athlete at their in their program. So them transitioning to here, where um, you got to get all the top athletes to work together. Right. You can imagine the type of environment that that is. But um, personality wise and age-wise like it ranges from 18 to 30 and just so many different personalities and people from different cultures and backgrounds and areas in the U.S. so it's a pretty big diverse group in every way that you could think of. Well that's one of the attractions at least for me of rugby is it is so diverse and you know diverse in in age and also in ability and size and it's just really exciting to watch. Mm -hmm. Even now you see like a lot of the 15s players crossing over to sevens, which you didn't see much. You didn't see like the bigger, stronger girls playing sevens. It was always the small, fast ones. But now it's just a mix of all types of athletes. Is that because the sevens is now in the Olympics and so the 15 players want to get in on that? It could be that or I think they just wanted to bring in an X factor that wasn't common in sevens. So in sevens, it was always, oh, you had, it was a fast sport, but then you bring in these players who three fast sevens players, it takes three of them to tackle this one player. Then you have an X factor and you have something shifting the momentum of the game. So I think that once our staff seen the effect that having a 15s player who was bigger and stronger, but still fast, like that just kind of changed the game and they wanted to incorporate that, which I think has been amazing. And where do you fit in in terms of, I mean, I know that you're fast, uh, Mm -hmm. but but elsewhere, where do you fit in in terms of big and small and what are your skills in relation to other people and what does the team look to you for? Um, I'm one of like the power runners. So I'm I'm one of the fastest players on the team. And along with that, I'm also very big and strong for a wing. Um, If you look at most of the wings in college and on club teams, they're probably the smallest ones. But um, here at the training center, I'm one of the probably the biggest wings 
that has come through the training center. And um, so to be able to be a, to be fast and powerful, that's kind of hard to take down. So that's um, one of my compliments is that I'm fast, powerful, and I'm hard to take down. So that's kind of a try scoring machine if you think about it. And um, just defense wise, I'm, I've become very good in the ruck area. So I think just scoring tries and getting the ball back because I have those one-on-one tackles on the edge where those players can get away from their support. Just getting back possession of the ball so that if we can keep ball, we'll probably win majority of our games. I think that's um, one of the main things I bring defense and attack-wise. And overall, I think I just bring a voice. My voice is pretty... um, dominant and loud on the field and kind of helps to direct people on attack and defense. Is your Larda talking on the field? From me, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of hard. I would understand why it would only just be me because the, my voice is pretty loud, so you don't really need the relay of messaging. But um, with different players, you may need like a telephone game where if you hear this, you say it to the person next to you but with me my voice is pretty loud and it projects pretty well especially in stadiums so right that's cool yeah that's a real advantage yeah yeah um I know you are really interested in promoting the sport so I want to talk about that but first you know like what do you like so much about rugby and and especially since you transferred from track and field like what was it what was the attraction of going to rugby I think just the variety of skills that you could take in with track and field, it was kind of, okay, you just kind of run in a straight line and then the race is done in 12 or 13 seconds and you're done. Whereas rugby, it just incorporates so many things. Um, The team aspect, the culture aspect is amazing, which I um, was exposed to in college. And um, just like all the skills you can take up. So when I first came into the sport, I kind of just all I ever did was catch and run. And now I'm like tackling and rucking. And I'm even sometimes playing prop where I'm lifting or scrumming, like just the variety of skills that I had been able to learn and take in and that there's so many more skills that I can learn, such as kicking and um, aerial work, things like that, like the abilities I can take in are limitless. It seems like you like to keep learning. Um, I do, but it takes a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it takes a lot from my coaches and my teammates to push me to try new things because I do get complacent sometimes. But because of them, I've been able to learn things that I wouldn't have thought was possible. Yeah, how how have you learned the new skills that, you know, obviously you weren't using as a sprinter? Basically, my coach was every three months is like, okay, now go learn how to lift in a pod or, um, okay, I want you to be a prop for this tournament. He just kind of throws new things at me. And, of course, my teammates are around to hear, so they're like, oh, you can definitely do that. I'm like, no, I can't. Like, that is not what I'm supposed to be doing. (laughs) But they just keep pushing it on me and pushing it on me, and eventually I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm going to do it so you can stop talking to me. And eventually it turns into something good. So if it wasn't for them, I don't know if I would be the athlete I am today. That's awesome. And the coach that you mentioned, is that the national team coach? Yeah, um, Chris Brown. Cool. Let's let's talk a little bit about promoting the sport. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I totally get that because honestly, that's what this podcast is about, is about promoting yeah. women's sports and also promoting fantastic female athletes and just getting the word out. But why is it so important to you? Like, what is driving you to do this extra work of promotion? So for me, um, with rugby, surprisingly, I found it at my high school, which was a predominantly black school. And... Rugby isn't that common in the black culture. I never knew about it. The only reason we had it at my high school was because of my math teacher who was a Caucasian male and played it growing up. And he brought it into our community. And um, I kind of seen the good that it was doing in the school and taking kids into an environment that was fun and safe and allowed them opportunities that they didn't know was possible. So I think like, 
now with all the things that I've been able to do because of rugby and all the people I've been able to meet and the places I've been able to travel and the people that I have been able to affect in a positive way, I want people from where I'm from who may not know about the sport and the opportunities that it can provide them, whether that be getting them a scholarship into college or allowing them to go to the Olympics in the future or meet the president, things like that. I just want to expose them to those opportunities so that they know they're there because a lot of people growing up don't know they're there. I didn't know um, the opportunities that rugby could provide until I was in this environment, even in college being um, asked to come out to camps for the USA rugby team. Like, I didn't really think anything of it. I didn't think it would take me to where I am today and allow me to be a role model for tons of girls. Like, I never expected to be in the position that I am today, but because of rugby, a sport that I knew nothing about growing up, I'm able to do things that I never imagined. So, like, this is here if it's something that you're interested in, and these are all the things that it could do for you. So I went onto your YouTube channel and I really like your hot seat, you know, introducing you. your teammates. And I also, <laughs> I also really like the ab workouts. I think that's really fun. Thank you. So how have those things been going? And, you know, like what in your effort to promote the sport, what's been working and what's not been working? And, you know, like what's next? So this year I kind of took an initiative to try to start building my brand and, um, promoting myself and rugby within that. So I decided I would start a YouTube channel because I I feel like I just have a big personality and I want to share the type of person I am off the field I, because I thought that would be liked by my rugby community to learn about how you are when you're not playing because a lot of the times you look rough and tough on the field, but off the field you're a completely different person. So kind of just um, exposing myself and letting them into my life. And then kind of with the ab club, I did a post on Instagram jokingly about doing an ab workout with one of my teammates and it kind of blew up on Instagram. So I was like, oh, that would be an interesting thing to just like do ab workouts so that people can check them out or do them and things like that. So I kind of just did it for fun and like just as a promotion um, to improve my Instagram. And I think it's been helping a lot on Instagram and also on Instagram, just um, doing podcasts um, to spread the word about rugby and myself as a rugby athlete and photo shoots personally. And then just trying to improve my captions, like small things, just to um, bring more people to my page and make my page more attractive for different companies and businesses and things like that. It's been going pretty well. So pretty happy so far, four or five months into the year. Do you like Instagram and social media? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Because I can reach so many people in the span of a minute, which is crazy. Right. And, And what do you want people to know about rugby? Like, how would you introduce it to somebody who doesn't know rugby well? Um, I get that question a lot because a lot of the time people think it's water polo or (laughs) field hockey. I kind of just tell them it's a combination of soccer and football Uh and that it's a contact sport. It's exactly the same as the men's side. Um, I usually tell them we only wear mouth guards because they think that's crazy that we're tackling each other with no pads or anything like that as they do in football and um kind of just tell them it's a social sport because after the rugby games we usually hang out with the other teams which a lot of other sports don't do is it important to know tactics you know if i'm a new spectator and don't know much about rugby how much Mm -hmm. about the game do i need to know about the rules or things like that um that's funny because I'm still learning a lot of the rules and my mom is like has been following the sport for about four years and is still learning as well. But I think the first thing they notice is like, okay, you score by running into the end zone and putting the ball. I think you need to know a lot <laughs> because there's so many things going on 
I just remember like watching it first and just asking so many questions that eventually I realized I wasn't even really watching the game. So I think it's important to um, gain a little bit of knowledge on the set pieces and the kickoffs and how you score a try and some of the um, referee penalties that they give mm-hmm. just so the game flows a little better and you understand that you have to pass the ball backwards and things like that. I think it's really important to learn the tactics before you watch it, just so that you can actually watch it and not be asking questions the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, so where should I go to find out more about the tactics or where should the listeners go to find out more about tactics? Interesting. I have no clue. I feel like, I think that if, I don't even know if the USA rugby page has like a tab for the rules of the game, mm-hmm. but I think probably the best bet would be just to Google it. Right. I'm, I'm going to actually look that up because I don't, I'm not even sure. This is a new YouTube thing for you. Yeah, I can tactic of the, the week. Rules. That's so smart. Maybe I got to talk to my agent about that. Um, I need to write that down. Yeah. What's happening in women's rugby right now? Like, what's important? What's the development in women's rugby? Or is there anything that's happening? Um, outside of, like, um, the sport, like, the playing part of rugby, I think um, women women's sport wise we're just trying to work on our funding mm-hmm. um, and getting more sponsors for our program so um, there's two organizations that were formed recently one of them is called women for rugby and it's run by jen siever and she's also working with phil tamagadi who's a um, big sponsor of the sport and a one of our newest, biggest rugby fans. Their organization has been helping a lot to get funding for our program. And then you have um, Women in Rugby. That's another organization that's also um, trying to get the exposure of women's rugby out to younger women in the world to show them those opportunities. Same thing, message that I'm trying to spread. So those two organizations have um, exploded and have been trying to expose or um, spread women's rugby in the U.S. because it's not that big here yet. So those are the main two organizations. Um, As a program, we're just working on trying to get funding to be able to have more tour stops. Mm. So the more places you go, the more um, exposure you have of the sport. Right. And you you have a couple more tournaments this this summer, don't you? Yeah, so we have um, Canada coming up, and then we have a stop in France. And based on how we do this season, if we qualify for the Olympics, then we just have Pan Ams in July, which I think will be in South America somewhere. And if not, then we have Olympic qualifications and then Pan Ams after. And then we'll have a little break. Is it pretty likely that you guys will qualify for the Olympics? As of right now, it's looking really promising because we've been top four for the past one, two, three, four, four tournaments. So we only have two more. So as long as we can do very well at those, we should be A-OK. Do you have any tournaments coming up in the in this country? Um, we do not. Is not that, for sevens. Is that normal? Yeah, we usually only have one stop in the U.S. and then the other five or six are out the country. That's too bad. Yeah. For us. Yeah, but we started one, we had one um, this season in Glendale. So that was, I think that one will stick for a while because we used to have Vegas, but now we just have Glendale. So, I mean, one is better than none. So we take what we can get, but eventually, hopefully there's a lot more here. Right. And on TV, it's not easy to watch too, I expect. Yeah. So usually you have to stream it or you have to pay a subscription for some for some station or you have to watch it on Facebook or on like flow rugby or world rugby or HSBC. Like there's so many, they're never showing it on the same thing. So you never know until they tell you where you're going to be watching it. And if you're going to have to be paying for subscriptions and things like that. So they make it really hard. Wow. But I mean, it's a start and um, the men have been on ESPN and things like that. So hopefully we can get on there soon because it's probably a lot easier to access. 
and um, a lot of the streaming that sometimes doesn't always work. Well, you mentioned the Olympics, and so, I mean, you must be deep into Olympic prep right now. Um, I think he's starting to um, get in his mind the players that are have the possibility of being on the Olympic team, and we're starting to transition into running our camps and um, prep for the Olympics um, since this past um, tour. So... It's definitely starting. It started about a month ago. So we have a year and a couple months until the big day. So, And what are you working on personally right now? I'm continuing to work on my fitness so that I'm able to play 14 minutes of every game. And I'm also working on um, my attitude on the field and off the field just being a good person to my teammates. So like a good positive environment leads to success. And also um, physically I'm working on um, improving my tackling to where it happens earlier rather than five meters down the field. And attack wise, just working on, on my footwork and trying to avoid being touched by defenders. Was that hard to learn how to tackle and be tackled? Mm, Not really. I was always pretty aggressive growing up, so it kind of worked out for me in that aspect. Yeah, you've said that you had wanted to go into football. Yeah, I always wanted to go to the NFL. What's the appeal of being a football player? I think because my brother was doing it, I was pretty competitive, so I kind of wanted to do what he was doing and try to be better at it. Right. And I think um, just growing up, it was just like, oh, in football, like you can be famous and you can make a lot of money. And growing up, like that's always what you saw on TV and things like that. So I think that was one of the things that interested me mm-hmm. was just being rich and famous. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, do you get nervous before games? Mm, yeah, a little bit, but I don't really show it. For me, I just feel like you don't really have time to get nervous because right. you have to warm up. And then as soon as you warm up, you got to get your jersey on, do your little talk. And by then you're out on the field playing. So it goes by so fast that the nerves don't last that long after the kickoff. It's like, okay, I'm just playing rugby like I'm back at the training center practicing do you have ways that you personally get ready for a game you know stuff that's important to you sort of pre-game rituals or something like that um i usually just stretch and listen to good music i really like to sing and just kind of be in my own little world for about um 15 to 20 minutes and then from there you just kind of take off your headphones and start hanging out with the girls for the last 10 minutes before warm up. That's usually what I do. And during this time of prepping for the Olympics, how are you going to stay focused and not distracted and, you know, just making sure Um, that you take time for yourself and get what you need? I never had an issue with that. Um, Time management is something that I'm very good at and I'm very good at setting my priorities when it comes to devoting my time to the sport and also finding time to be by myself and recenter myself and things like that. Um, It's kind of hard to get distracted because we are always on go almost every day of the year. But um, when we do get those off days or those off weeks, I try to go somewhere um, where there's a beach or, um, go home to my family and just kind of and enjoy them. But um, distraction-wise, you kind of just, it's hard to get distracted because every day you're just always playing rugby. Like, you're always here. We only really get um, probably two months out of the year combined off. Yeah, describe what it's like to be a professional rugby player. Like, what's your day like? What's your week like? So we train from about the beginning of September to the beginning of August. So you only, but between those, you get maybe like a week or two off every now and then. 
Um, Weekly-wise, we train Monday through Friday. We have Wednesday off usually, but it's considered like a recovery day. So that's the day where majority of us get our massages or chiropractor or things like that. But um, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we usually have a gym session and two field sessions and some meetings and film sessions throughout that and then um, recovery sessions throughout that as well. So we're usually at the training center from about 7 a.m. to 4 to 5 p.m. So it's a long day. Yeah. Yeah, it's a a long day. It's a full-time job. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So describe some of the workouts that you're doing and and things that the team is working on together. Um, So Mondays we usually in the gym are doing upper body whether that's pull-ups, dumbbell press, um, med ball throws, things like that. And field-wise, we usually are working on attack on Mondays. So just our framework and um, running through phases and things like that. And then on Tuesday, that's usually our contact day. So we do legs on Tuesday. And then um, we'll have a tackle session in the morning and usually a a defensive session in the afternoon where we're just working on our defensive frameworks, our THA and movement on defense, things like that. And then Thursday, we usually do a full body lift. And um, we either will do scrimmages on Thursday that are full contact or we'll do them on Friday. And we usually don't have a gym session on Friday, but um, we'll either have like conditioning or just running through attack and defense on Friday if we're not doing scrimmages. So you're lifting throughout the year, even when you have tournaments? Yeah. You wow. lift three times a week. Wow. Yeah. That sounds... I think it's pretty normal. I don't know. That's <laughs> all I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm a cyclist, lift. so we we only lifted in the off-season. So. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we even lift on tournaments, too. Like, when we go... To, when we went to Japan, like, we probably lifted once that week, once or twice. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And are you are you designing your own lifting schedule or is that by the coach as well? No, we have a um, strength and conditioning coach who does that for us. So he kind of um, gives us paperwork in a sort of just your Monday through um, Thursday workouts. Got it. And your ab yeah. workouts are totally separate on your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though they do try to monitor it because it does use a lot of the same muscles that we use every day. So we want to make sure there's no overuse. Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. What What are, you know, like what are some of the skills or, you know, genetic gifts that make a good rugby player? Physically, I think um, just being able to gain muscle. Um, if you can gain muscle in your legs, you'll be faster. And if you can gain muscle in your arms, you'll be stronger. So I feel like if you have that genetic makeup in you and you have mentally the dedication and ambition and um, discipline to do what you need to do to get to where you want to be, I think those are the two best things to have is just being able to grow muscle and um, being mentally strong. And you talked a little bit about, you know, finding money for the sport. What's the money for you guys like for the athletes? Are you guys getting paid? How is how is everything paid for? You know, how do you travel and that kind of thing? So as a rugby athlete for the U.S. team, we don't have to pay for traveling. That's covered through our program. Um, We get paid, and there's different tiers based on the type of athlete you are and what you bring to the program. And then um, if you're one of the newer athletes, you usually will get housing and things like that. But if not, like, you pay for your housing. But we um, get free food, free travel, um, free kit and things like that, um, a free place to train. And um, we also just pay-wise get bonuses based on how we do on tours. So I'm assuming you don't have a second job. I do. You don't have to, but I do because I want to have a savings account when I'm done <laughs> with this. <laughs> well, what are you doing? I, I'm a um, waitress at Buffalo Wild Wings, and I also do personal training. Oh, cool. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Do you like personal training? I do, because it's nice to be on the other side of telling people what to do when they're dead <laughs> tired. <laughs> That's funny. 
How have you learned, I mean, especially since you came late to the sport, how have you learned some of those special things, particularly, you know, you talked about not knowing all the tactics, like how are you learning the tactics? I think just through um, repetition Mm -hmm. um, and our coach is very technical. So we'll go through each individual step over and over and over again and then combine it as one and go over it 5,000 more times. I think that's one of the things that's been good for us is just repetition of different skills. Um, We usually have time during our trainings to do individual prep, which he calls IDP. So during that time, like, it's just more repetitions of the skills that he expects you to bring to the table when you um, hit the field. So I think that's been one of the important things is just repetition of the things that he wants us to learn. One thing I think that's interesting about rugby, because I've talked to a few rugby players, is that so many of the athletes are coming to the sport late in life. And so they are having to learn all this stuff. So fast. Yeah. Yeah. I I keep wondering, you know, like as the sport grows in popularity, because it certainly is, particularly for women, you know, will that sort of switch and will people, you know, start the sport earlier and just be sort of more educated about it? Absolutely. And I think it's already happening now because even in San Diego, we have a girls rugby program where um, the youngest girl is like five years old. So from five to about 12, 13, some of them have already probably been playing longer than I have. Like we have girls coming. Yeah, we have girls coming in now from college who've been playing longer than I have. And I'm just like jealous because I can only imagine how how good I could be if I would have started earlier. Right, right. Although you wouldn't have had the track and field training, so. Yeah, exactly. So everything happens for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Uh, You also, you know, you're dealing with a ball now, which you didn't have to do with track and field. How has that been? Frustrating. (laughs) (laughs) My team likes to joke about how I always drop the ball, which I do drop it a lot because, (laughs) like you said, I didn't grow up ever doing a ball sport so I didn't have the hand-eye coordination um, that the other girls may have um, grew up with playing softball or flag football or hockey or soccer or things like that so when I came in I had to learn in two to three years what they had been doing their whole life so that's something that I'm still working on is that it's not innate in me yet and it's something that I really have to really hone in and focus on in order to um, be successful in that skill so yeah how definitely you, something I'm still working on how are you learning that like how do you practice it I mean to me I, I guess I've always said I don't have eye hand coordination and it never yeah. occurred to me that I could have learned it yeah so there's a lot of different um, things that we do for it we have these like spec glasses that kind of take away your vision and bring it back like it's like a blinking like a glass if you think of glasses and they have a shade over them that um comes back and then leaves and then comes back and leaves kind of like if you're blinking wow yeah using those with like catching a tennis ball or a rugby ball allows you to do the focusing part and then learn the hand eye with that and then just like um, doing repetitions of catching the ball at different speeds and different locations and different powers, things like that. Wow, those glasses sound intense. Yeah, they're cool. They're hard, <laughs> but they're cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Back to the teammate, being a good teammate, you know, like what have mm-hmm. you been working on for yourself to be a good teammate for for the team? Or do you feel I like you need to do that? I've definitely been working on it this past year of um, – Sometimes not always being so blunt and not always saying everything that comes to my mind, which is positive on the field and off the field, whether I'm playing rugby or working at Buffalo Wild Wings. Like, you can't say everything that comes to your mind. That's stupid. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, (laughs) it doesn't work like that. So just being able to have self-control in um, that area and just to be more considerate of people's feelings and more understanding that everybody didn't grow up how you grew up or wasn't raised how you were raised, just being more considerate of that. I want to get back to contact sports because, you know, mostly women are not known to be playing contact sports. Yeah. And you seem like you've been fascinated with contact sports since you were kids. So what was interesting about that? And you mentioned earlier about being aggressive. So maybe relate that to it. 
I don't know why. I mean, obviously, I don't know why I was born aggressive, but I was, and I've always um, wrestled with my brother or play fought with my sisters or played football since I was about 13 years old with the boys until they hit puberty. So, like, um, it was just always in me. I just always had so much energy. So to be able to release it through a contact sport, it just made sense. That's one reason I like sports is it does provide this spot to be aggressive or assertive. Yeah, and, you know, stress depending. relief. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's interesting that you discovered that need so early. Yeah, because my mom just always said I was so hyper, so instead of keeping me in the house, she would just push me outside with the boys and we would just <laughs> play football. Related to that, how dangerous is rugby, actually? I mean, you don't have, you don't have padding, but... I mean, it seems like it's controlled contact. Yeah. So um, if you think about football, there's um, the talk of the amount of concussions and brain damage that it has on its athletes. And I think one of the main reasons is because of the way they tackle. They don't really tackle. They kind of just run into each other. Whereas rugby, we're aware that we don't have the pads that football has. We just have the mouth guard. So taking it in that it's very important to be very technical in how you tackle so that you don't get hurt. I think that's the aspect that takes away the danger of the sport is that we actually tackle correctly so that you don't get hurt as much. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it doesn't make sense that um, football with pads, they have more injuries than rugby players do who aren't wearing pads but who are doing some of the same um, contact movements. So that just shows you that we're more technical in the sport to take away the high injury rates. Yeah, you seem more finessed. Yeah, more smooth. <laughs> yep. How often do you or your teammates get injured? Mm, I want to say it just ranges. Like it could be one person. I mean, it could be one person a week if it's something small. Right, right. Um, but something big, I don't think we've had anything major that has kept anybody out for a year maybe one or two athletes but other than that like we don't have that many big like acl tears or things like that that's so interesting wow yeah i was in new york a couple weeks ago and i was talking with a friend of mine who i went to grade school with and high school with and she and i were talking about how you know there's at the time when we were growing up, there was no subtlety and expression of gender back then. And, you know, we talked about contact sports and aggression. And we thought that, you know, that's starting to change, particularly in the last several years. You know, what are your thoughts about that being in a sport that appears aggressive? Um, I think it's good for the world to see that um, women can be seen as aggressive and strong and powerful and that it's okay. I think it's empowering for the younger girls growing up to see that because a lot of the time they have that in them, but because of the stereotypes and the gender norms and what's supposed to be um, correct and what's wrong for women to do, like they get sidetracked by that. So being able to see that it's okay, like maybe they'll be their truer selves earlier on rather than changing for society and then having to go back after they realize, oh, the things you're telling me aren't true. I can be who I am and how I am regardless of what society thinks of me. So I think that's um, been really important with rugby and um, other women's sports of just showing that it's okay to be strong and big and muscular and things like that. Do you think about being a woman athlete? And, and what does that mean to you being a woman athlete? I definitely do, especially with rugby, because um, it is the men's sport right now. Um, whether we want to um, believe it or not, so being able to show that women can play a quote-unquote men's sport and show them that it isn't a men's sport, it's just a sport. I think that's um, really important, and to be able to be somebody pioneering that in a very small way, I think that's incredible. How do you balance you know, your, your feminine side, can I call it that, or, <laughs> and uh, being in this contact sport, or do you think about that? Um, I do think about it for sure, but like on the field, not so much, because I like being the strong, rough, 
big, powerful person on the field and don't really think about the um, feminine part of it. But um, off the field, like, I'm very much a girly girl. I like to get my nails done, eyebrows done, hair done. I love to go shopping. And I definitely feel like I express that, that I am very aggressive and rough and tough on the field. But off the field, I do have this feminine side. So, I mean, I think that's great. Yeah, I do too. And and that was one of the things that my friend and I were talking about. I mean, that just did not happen when we were growing up. Not at all. Yeah. And even in rugby now, like you, even though I'm not like wearing pink nail polish or things like that, like you see a lot of the other girls on my team or um, girls on other teams like Australia, New Zealand, they have the bows in their hair. They have um, their fingernails painted things like that, like just to show like, yeah, I'm a girl, I'm feminine, and I'm playing this rough, amazing sport, and I'm kicking ass at it. Like, that's just, that's as good as it gets, I think. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, You know, you have a big social media following, and you're in the spotlight. You're one of the top players in the U.S. You know, are you good with being in the spotlight? Like, how do you deal with that pressure, or how do you deal with the scrutiny um, I'm a Leo, so I think I was born for it in a way. And like, you'll get your bad comments and your trolls on Instagram and things like that, but you get a lot more. You'll get a lot more good comments than you will negative. So I kind of just try to take that into mind and not really worry about what other people think, because at the end of the day, they don't honestly know who you are. So they're just um, pulling stuff out their butt. So if you can just remember that, like, you'll be okay, social media wise. Um, I think just like realizing that um, you're a role model now or that eventually you'll be a role model just knowing that there's things that you can't post and things that you can't say I'm just being able to transition from that of being able to post whatever you want to now it's like okay is this okay to post I have younger girls and boys following me you have to be more careful is it important to you to be a role model being put in the position I think so yeah Because a lot of the times it's like, okay, you got to be a role model for your sisters. But now it's like, oh, you have to be a role model for thousands of young girls growing up in the sport or in other sports. So I think it's important to um, try your best to show them the good things that they should be doing and the bad things that they should be avoiding. Right. I think that that's, particularly in women's sports, I think so many of the athletes that I speak to, you know, they're well aware of, the position that they're in of yeah you know forging away for younger people yeah what are some of the most amazing things that you've done um some of the most amazing things i've done i graduated college from a very good school i think that was something that was really important for me because i could have just um dropped out and came and played rugby earlier but I think that's one of my greatest accomplishments that I'm happy I went and finished before I came out for rugby and then another one of my great accomplishments is becoming the top try scorer for the U.S. team I kind of wasn't really paying attention to it and didn't know it was really happening until it happened and it happened in such a short time so me to come into a new sport and already have a big effect on it I think that surprised me and made me realize how much I do love the sport that I'm playing right now and then one more accomplishment is probably um, making the dream team um, in the San Fran World Cup yeah where my mom was there that was fun cool yeah are you competitive very (laughs) Very competitive. Does that mean that you focus all the time on winning? Like if you're out on the field, are you super focused on winning? Um, I think off the field, I'm super focused on winning. But on the field, you kind of are just engulfed in playing right then. So you don't really think about it until before or after, for me at least. Or during halftime, whenever you have those pauses and it's like, okay, are we winning or are we losing? If we're losing, how do we win? If we're winning, how do we keep winning? Right, right. Yeah. Has anything ever gone awry or have you had a bad season ever? Um, I think my first four months, my first year here, it was kind of like the season of 
finding myself, finding the type of rugby player that I was going to be. Um, I think that was like my struggle season of um, having a reality check of you can't just be fast. You got to um, learn how to ca- catch. You got to learn how to pass. You got to learn how to do other things. You can't just be complacent with being fast. That's not really going to get you as far as you could go. So I think having that reality check was probably one of the um, first mountains I had to climb in the sport and as a person individually. I um, grew a lot from that year and now I've been able to kind of flow from there. It seems like you work really hard. With the pushing of my coaches, yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's very easy to get complacent, especially when you didn't really have to fight that hard to be where you were at in other sports or um, even getting into this sport. I kind of got into it and was um, humbly pretty good at it from the beginning. So it was easy to get complacent and still sometimes is. So just I'm thankful to have um, coaches and staff and teammates who are constantly pushing me to get better, even when I'm yelling at them to leave me alone. So (laughs) (laughs) I like your team. I got to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're good people. That's great. I really thank you for all the work that you're doing promoting rugby and women's sports. I really love it. And I'm so happy to have met you and look forward to the next couple of games this summer. So awesome. Thanks so much for having me and holding the sport and introducing people to who I am. Thank you. Excellent. Go rugby. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you to Naya Tapper for making the time to be here right after her tournament trip to Japan. Thanks to you for listening. Head to hearhersports.com to find links to Naya's ab workouts, hotspots, and her future tactics of the week. Hear Her Sports is focused on increasing listenership in 2019, so tell your friends about the podcast or about the athletes you meet here. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to the podcasts. Also, subscribe to the newsletter. Every other week, I send an email with links, info, and sporty thoughts. I've recently added a new section with links to articles and books that I've been reading. Our theme music is by the band Goldmines, our logo by Agnes Studio. And keep listening. I'll be back in two weeks. Women's Running Stories, where we explore the intersection between running and life. Because every woman who is committed to a running journey has a story to tell, and this is where you'll find those stories. I am host and producer Sheree Louise Turner. I'm a 53-year-old runner, and together with original music by musician and runner Cormac O'Regan, we bring these inspirational stories to life. Please join us to fuel your adventures.